moments that matter. Uh, moments that matter. Moments that matter. Moments that matter. Welcome to this latest edition of the Moments That Matter podcast series. I'm your host Darren Clear and today I'm going to be talking to Alina Winnell. And Alina is a master sleep coach and one of the greatest things about doing this podcast series is meeting new people and learning new things. And I went into this conversation thinking that I had a reasonable fix on sleep issues and, and behaviours that you need to follow to ensure that you get a good night's sleep each night. And I also went into this thinking I probably had a reasonable idea what a sleep coach would do. But the more I talked to Alina and the more that, that she opened up not only about her own personal journey but about what she does for clients and how she assists people with their sleep, the more I realised that I didn't really know that much about sleep to begin with. So it was a great journey for me and I hope you have a similar journey as you listen to what Alina can bring to the table and try and understand things that we can do to help our own sleep as well as enjoy uh, the story that Alina brings, not only for her own journey but how much satisfaction she gets from helping people in this area of her life. So thanks again for joining us and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Alina Winnell. So Alina, can you start me off by just talking me through, give me the one to two minute rundown of your career to date and how you sort of got uh, into the the sleep industry, if you like, and became a sleep coach. So uh, I actually started off my career in a very different area. I was working in finance and went through a period of chronic stress uh, and developed chronic insomnia. So I had a very personal and very painful journey with chronic sleep deprivation and uh, insomnia and it I found that it, it affected every aspect of my life at the time so you know it affected my relationships it affected my work it affected my health sleep's one of those things that affects virtually every aspect of your life because it's such a fundamental basic need as humans so through that painful journey I went in search for answers to how to restore my sleep and, and and how to start sleeping well again. And I actually saw practitioner after practitioner after practitioner and found that nobody could help me. So I ended up quitting my job, going on a journey um, and basically studying anything that helped me improve my sleep again. And through that process, and it took me a long time. Um, I then developed a, a formula, which I use with my clients today to help people to to restore sleep back to uh, back to balance to its natural how it's supposed to be naturally well and when you say chronic insomnia how many hours are we talking about a night that you might have been getting of, of sleep uh zero <laughs> <laughs> like for prolonged periods i would not sleep at all it was the most chronic case of insomnia that you know doctors had seen so very bad and so i can really empathize with people who don't sleep well it's 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 it has such an impact on their life and when you started out on your journey how easy was it to get information about sleep did you find uh in that in that first part there's a lot of information out there about sleep but there's not necessarily a lot of information that's particularly helpful or useful um i found the sleep industry actually to be quite a little bit backwards 
So the information was very much focused on sleep hygiene and, and rules around sleep. And, and whilst things like cutting out coffee and going to bed at the same time every night, those sort of typical sleep rules can help people to improve their sleep. For so many people, that is just such a small part of it. And over time, you know, I really realised how important it was to bring the nervous system back into balance to sleep well. And that's what can be really difficult to find really good quality information on. So it's 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 there's a lot of information, just it's hard to find good quality information. And is it still an evolving area? Because I've done a fair bit of research over the last few years around sleep. Uh, and but I mean when I, the, I I can trace it back to sort of I watched a documentary from the 1970s which sort of was just talking about dreams and how our brains are always active even when we're sleeping and I think that sort of started to inform people and it probably you know that that research went back even further than that but is it is it an ever evolving sort of area that we continue to learn things about sleep as we go on? Yeah, definitely. Well. Trends in society will affect sleep. So a couple of those trends at the moment, which, you know, it changes over time, is one very big trend is that stress has become the new normal. You know, anxiety levels are at an all-time high, especially now during COVID. Uh, stress is at an all-time high. And so people, if it's become the new normal, people don't know how to identify it because it's normal. They don't know how to change it because they don't even realise it's there a lot of the time so that's one of the 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 trends and then obviously there's um changes in our patterns due to technology uh lights that kind of thing so it is an evolving field because we are changing as humans and how we live yeah so it's more the behavioral aspects that affect sleep that changes i guess uh, rather than our knowledge of sleep although there may be still certain areas that, that that we're improving our knowledge yeah, that's right. And if you look at the patterns in sleep, 100 years ago, we used to sleep two hours more on average than what we do today. So, you know, there's a lot of changes with sleep in our society. And, and what? how would you describe what a sleep coach does? So you sort of said it's basically trying to find your best level of sleep. I think well, that might not have been exact words, but that's sort of that sort of thinking. But how would you describe it, what a sleep coach can provide for people? Well, depend on the approach, approach of the sleep coach. But so sleep doctors will look more at the medical side of sleep, so help people with sleep apnea or people that have a physical condition. And then someone like myself as a sleep expert and coach will help people to bring their nervous systems back into balance, help slow down the racing mind, um, help reduce anxiety, all of those things that are, don't necessarily have uh, physical causes to help the person sleep well again. So it's just identifying the root causes of someone's insomnia or sleep struggles and working with that to help the person to restore good quality natural sleep again. Do you sort of start with an assumption that people are going to be dealing with a certain amount of stress in, the, in their day-to-day lives just because of the, the way we're sort of living today? Look, it's a pattern that I see over and over. Um, I would never assume it because everyone's different, but um, there's always a few very basic ways that we can read in the body if there is stress. So I'll get people to check in with their breathing. Are they breathing high and fast or are they holding their breath? They're both very sort of easily identifiable signs of stress, for example. So, you know, part of it is looking at what are the signs and symptoms to 
help someone to identify what's happening for them. I, I used to, when I, I was actually from the finance industry as well, and, I, and one of the things I used to do oh, was right. go in and uh, I was a business analyst and I used to go into teams and see how they were doing things and you'd identify in that first sort of session, well, these are some quick wins. Like These are some things you can do straight away to improve your efficiency and improve your accuracy or whatever it is. So what are, are there any sort of quick wins that you can sort of say to people? This is this is some of the things that everyone should be doing. And you mentioned caffeine obviously an ob- is an obvious one. But are there any other sort of quick wins of, of just general things that people should be doing straight away to, to uh, improve their sleep patterns? So one of the common myths that I bust around sleep is that um, there is, so there's a common perception that sleep is determined by that hour or two before bedtime. And really the quality of our sleep is determined by the quality of our daytime. So, yeah, so I just, it's important for people to understand that in terms of really quick wins, if people are taking a long time to fall asleep, then I would encourage them to really start to observe what they're thinking about in bed. Uh, Are they writing their to-do list? You know, if we're writing a to-do list in our head, then we're producing stress hormones because the body doesn't know the difference between a thought of doing and the actual act of doing. So we produce stress hormones to move us into action. So are they thinking thoughts of doing in bed? Are they going into worst case scenario? These are all the kinds of things that will produce stress hormones. And stress hormones suppress the production of melatonin, which is our sleep hormone. So be aware of the thoughts that you have in bed if you're having trouble falling asleep. And it, you, really we should, if if it, the idea is to get out of your head, um, but if someone can't stop thinking, then at least have pleasant thoughts something that would put a smile on your face. So that's one thing for people who take a long time to fall asleep. If people are waking up during the night, there aren't really any quick wins there. It's more of a, it's a a longer process to help people typically bring their stress levels down. Yeah, because there are different things, aren't they? I mean, there's trouble falling to sleep at first and then there's trouble staying asleep. And they are two very separate issues, aren't they? Uh, yes and no. So there's a connection and usually that the nervous system's out of balance, but they will be, they're also different as well. So people, when they wake up a lot during the night, often they've got elevated cortisol levels and so they don't get into as deep a sleep as what we would do if we had, if we were relaxed. So it's more of a process then of during the daytime to really learn how to shift that so that when you go to bed, your cortisol levels are down, which means you'll get deeper sleep and you'll sleep through the night. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, let's talk about this the, the daytime because I, it's something that I'm aware of, but I must confess to, I only start thinking about my sleep habits an hour or two before bed because that's when it's my brain is sort of trained, I guess, to start thinking about, well, I'll put iPads aside or I'll, you know, I'll make sure I don't have any caffeine and all those sort of things that I make sure in the couple of hours before bed I might do. But what are the things we should be doing during the day when you talk about, well, it's a, it's really about training your body clock across the day, isn't it, um, to get ready for sleep at night? Yeah, yeah, part of it's the body clock and part of it is, so having a routine, that kind of thing is important. It's also really managing our nervous system. So by that, what I mean is how much of the day are we in fight or flight or how much of the day are we relaxed and how much of the day are we in balance? And 
this is really at the core of what is going on for most people who struggle with sleep. Like I hear time and time again uh, people saying, uh, if only I had an off switch, my mind races, I just can't switch it off. So the more we bring ourselves into balance, the less that happens. Uh, so during the day, checking in for, um, so what I really encourage people to do is, is two very simple practices are to check in throughout the day what's happening with your breathing so that you're aware, are you stressed or are you relaxed? And if people are breathing high and fast, to really take a moment to slow their breathing down and drop it down just to calm themselves and then continue on with their day. So checking in with the body and, um, you know, are their muscles tense or can they relax their muscles? Is their posture curled over? Can they open up their posture? Because these are all signs of whether or not we're in a stress response, uh, you know, if we're in fight or flight. So checking in with the body and calming the body. And then the other thing is checking in with the mind. You know, what are the quality of your thoughts during the day? Are you doing worst case scenario? Are you being impatient? You know, are you putting yourself under pressure? And the more you can start to have good quality thoughts during the day that aren't putting stress on the nervous system, the more you'll be in balance by the time you go to bed and you won't be waking up so much. Yeah. Well, and, and what a common practice so do you encourage people to take some time away from what they're doing and just how long would it need to be 30 seconds to a minute to just focus on your breathing uh, and I guess just be, be conscious of your posture and things like that as you go through the day yeah like when I first start working with people I'll encourage them to do it once an hour until they really start to attune to their body and what's happening for them because you know in our modern world people often spend so much time in their heads um, that, that they're kind of not aware of actually really what's going on so even in the beginning doing it you know for example do it every time before you go to the bathroom or before you sit down for a meal like turn it into a habit and then the more often you do it, it, it does become a habit. And then um, you can just learn to regulate your nervous system more easily. And what do you think some common mistakes people are making in terms of sort of ignoring this, this, the, these issues? I mean, do you think there's a, as much a focus on sleep as there should be um, across society? And, and have you seen some improvements in that in the last few years? There's definitely an increasing awareness around sleep. It has been in the last year, the last few years, definitely. People are starting to acknowledge and, and the health industry is starting to acknowledge the not just the importance of exercise and diet, but really adding in sleep as that third trifecta. Uh, so that's been a really positive change in, uh, from my perspective. Um, Although I still think, uh, to a large extent, it remains a bit of a mystery to a lot of people as to how to improve their sleep. And for me, that's part of why I do what I do and try and encourage people to understand it's not just about those sleep hygiene, uh, sleep rules, even though they're important, but it's a, it's a broader picture than that. Yeah, I mean, and it is, it's very much an, an, an holistic approach, isn't it, to look at your, your exactly. whole life and everything you're doing at almost all stages of the day because that is what is going to uh, affect how, how your body... And, and I guess when you think about it like that, it does make sense, doesn't it, that, that we're, we're sort of in the same body at all times and once we know that our mind continues to be active once we sleep, there's the, you're like you can't turn your mind off when you go to sleep, but that's why you're saying if you have positive thoughts and if you train your sort of mind to be in that in that frame... 
when you go to sleep, it's going to stay in that. I mean, is that is, is that sort of the right way of thinking about it? Yeah, yeah. So the more we think in a beneficial way, so um, in a way that's not producing stress hormones, then the deeper we'll sleep. So, yeah, absolutely. So really training the monkey mind is, is, is part of it and, and understanding our body and our nervous system and our physiology is, is so important as well. Tell me a little bit more about the fight or flight, which you spoke about before, and people may have heard that statement before. But what does that sort of what what does that mean to you in in, in the general sense in terms of how people react to stress? So, if someone is in fight or flight, and and you'll know because um, if you observe yourself, your breathing will be faster, your ten, your muscles will tense up, um, your mind might start to race, and you may have more uh, stressful thoughts then that, that's kind of the fight or flight response. And if we are in fight or flight, it's the message that's being sent to our nervous system is you are not safe to sleep. And so I see time and time again people trying to sleep when they're in this fight or flight state. But, of course, the body's natural defence mechanism is do not sleep if you're not safe. So, you know, it's there to protect us, but unfortunately we're triggering that response too often and inappropriately today. And what's your advice to people who just say, look, I'm in a high stress role, there's there's not much I can do about it, I'm just, I, I'm going, I need to be sort of high, wide, wide in terms just to do my role, whether it's a, you know, and in particular, I think you're during the current crisis that we're in, let's say you're talking to a nurse that's just overloaded with work um, at the moment, what, What's your sort of advice to someone, I guess, that is going through something like that, that they're just like, I've just got to push through this next bit and then then I'll be a, bit, a little bit better for it? It's really difficult. You know, there are a lot of medical professionals that are really um, do have huge workloads at the moment. Also, it's the way that we perceive what's happening to us. So, for example, I often work with CEOs who are running huge companies but we'll still not be experiencing high stress levels because it's the way that they perceive what's happening. So it's really about changing our perception, viewing things as much as we can from a place of wisdom so that our stress levels start to calm down. And also, you know, if if there are emotions there, which is um, I think also probably something you were alluding to, is to actually feel them and allow them to move through the system rather than suppressing them because otherwise we go to bed with this enormous amount of trapped energy in the body. So, you know, as a society, we're not necessarily that great at processing emotion either. So that definitely plays a part. So to actually feel it. Yeah, and I think that's... Well, that's where... um... And I'm not sure, you know, how much mindfulness sort of plays a part for you, but it certainly was very helpful for me when I was going through some stressful times uh, to just do some simple mindfulness practices uh, throughout the day uh, and, I guess, acknowledge what what has happened each day. Because I think we all get to, we've already all been there before and where you, you're just so exhausted at the end of the day and you go straight to sleep at night and then you sleep for an hour and you're awake again and, you have a million thoughts running through your head. So to try and take the time, I guess, um, to just stop and take stock of where you're at in, in your day, across a day, uh, that can certainly help um, your your sleep patterns at night. Yeah, absolutely, to really process what's happened and allow it to move, yeah. 
Absolutely. And and when you refer to mindfulness, I assume you're referring to presence, you know, coming into our bodies, coming into our senses, being with the experience. And that absolutely does help rather than constructing future scenarios in our heads and uh, going off, you know, thinking about uh, unpleasant uh, situations. So coming back here and now into reality, into the real world, into presence definitely helps. Yeah, I mean, one thing I do is uh, at lunch every day, I make sure I try and get a quiet spot and just sit and actually just eat, eat lunch and enjoy the food and sort of be in that present moment. Um, if you know, mm. only for that half an hour, and I've, I've found that helps. But I mean, is there any particular mm. mindfulness techniques that you pass on to people uh, as part of your sleep coaching? To me, mindfulness, because it, it becomes a practice. And, and the more often people just um, uh, practice coming back into their senses, then it becomes a habit. So um, everything that you've just mentioned now, yeah, it's, it's spot on. To really just keep on coming back to the present moment. And what about people if they're moving on to night shifts? Is there any particular advice you'd have for someone uh, going on to night shift for the first time? Yeah, look, shift work is is a tricky one because it is going against the natural body clock. Um, so what I do say to shift workers is as part of their job, as part of their work, it's actually really important to become a skilled sleeper. So by that I mean really master your nervous system so that you can actually sleep during kind of unnatural times and unnatural conditions. So in addition to that... So that's a skill. It's almost like a skill that I encourage them to build. But in addition to that is then to try and create and mimic the conditions of nighttime as much as possible when, when sleeping happens during the day. So really get good block out curtains and sort of block out sounds and uh, whatever you can do to really create that atmosphere that you would have at nighttime uh, is, is, is extra important to shift workers as well. To go back to your own experiences, what what has been the what's been the main benefits that you've seen in your own life from when you think back to when you were going through the insomnia to now when when I'm guessing at least you, that you're a much better sleeper these days. Yeah. So yeah, and I sleep very deeply now, and I have to say I never thought it would be possible given my. Uh, the the quality of my sleep when I did have insomnia, I never thought it would be possible to be a deep sleeper again, but I am. So if I can do it, anyone can do it <laughs> because my sleep was so bad. I guess through my own journey, one thing I learned was to look deeper than um, just that sort of uh, information that you find out there, which is very commonplace. For me, what really made a difference was really learning about myself, understanding my stress patterns, um, anxiety patterns, and retraining myself around those and really starting to connect in with my body to start to read my nervous system. Was I, I, I didn't know when I was stressed or relaxed or, or if I thought I was relaxed, really didn't know. Actually, I really wasn't. <laughs> um, so, um, and so just learning how to really connect in with what was, was happening. So training the mind, training the nervous system, training the body. Well, I think, and that's the picture that I'm sort of getting, I think, where, where you come in is helping people understand themselves and understand the stress triggers and understand how to manage yeah. that. Um, whereas, to be honest, when I started with, with 
with talking to you today, I, I was sort of thinking there you would be more, um, you know, dealing with some of the the general sort of sleep, um, obviously the sleep hygiene things, uh, but more around, I guess, practices people can do in their own lives, uh, rather. But I think it's it's been quite enlightening actually the way that you've looked at it, and it's probably not something I would have expected the way to approach mm-hmm. it, even though I've done a bit of reading myself. But obviously, I'm not. I'm not, uh, didn't have the understanding that, you know, the, the, the deeper understanding that you have of, of sleep and, and of the way that uh, their actions across the day affect that. Yeah, well, you know, I see person after person who has tried cutting out coffee, who has tried going to bed at the same time every night, who have tried cleaning up their bedroom, you know, these things. And the thing is, uh, they're, yeah, whilst they're important, they're still quite superficial. So if, if you know, if someone could, if someone was only going to change one habit, for example, I would say just start focusing on your breathing. Mm. That, that is more important to really, you know, so it's like, yeah, the nervous system is what governs our sleep. It governs our rest and digest functions. And it's no coincidence that people today often um, will have digestive issues at the same time as sleep issues because it's governed by the same branch of the autonomic nervous system. And when that's out of balance, um, it, it affects both of those things often. So, yeah, it's, it's much deeper. <laughs> and last question for you today is what what skill do you think, What's the is there one skill you could identify that you possess you think that's made you um, a, a successful sleep coach through the time that you've done it? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I would say having been through the experience myself, I don't... I, to me, I can really empathise with people who are going through a struggle with sleep. So, you know, the, our human condition is we want to be understood. And when people feel that they're understood and they're not judged, that really helps as a starting point. And then also not preaching from a textbook, but actually working with uh, what I see works with clients time and time again. So working from experience rather than from a textbook is so important. So, yeah, you know, the humanness in, in the practice is really important and being able to really be present with people and really understand what's going on for them rather than giving them a blanket rule of what they should do. Because everybody, even though we've all got things in common, we also are all unique and individual and so how, it's never exactly the same for two people <laughs> yeah. how much satisfaction do you get out of seeing someone that's maybe maybe even if they're not as bad as what you were before you started this journey but they're struggling with their sleep and then you might you know over the course of your journey working with them you see them overcome that i mean how, how much satisfaction do you get out of that side of the side of the job oh i mean i love it i love what i do um and the thing that I see time and time again, when people start to sleep well, their whole life starts to transform. And in particular, they are so much happier. I get that feedback all of the time. People are like, just tell me how much happier they are. And it's incredibly satisfying. I, you know, after working with someone and helping them with their sleep, I see clients all of a sudden like be able to um, – uh, meet someone that they really like because they're not grumpy anymore and and you know I'll have clients who now are in amazing marriages I have clients who couldn't fall pregnant and then when they start to sleep well again they fall pregnant um, like all these you know uh, knock-on effects of good sleep um, people who were 
uh, suffering from illnesses who then become better once they, they sleep well. Uh, so there's, you know, it, it has this flow on effect to the rest of a person's life. And that's why I love sleep so much and love helping people with it because it transforms their whole life. And that is incredibly satisfying. So thanks again for joining us today. As I said at the outset, that was a fascinating discussion and covered so many different areas that we can consider in terms of our sleep. And if you wanted to read a little bit more about Alina or contact her yourself, you can find her at thesleepexpert.com, which is her website, and there's a contact page on that website where you can get in touch with her. And you can also access Seven Secrets to Better Sleep Now via that website. So I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Alina today and look forward to joining you again soon.